You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 202 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. I want to say a few things about astrological ages. There are 12 astrological ages corresponding to the 12 signs of the zodiac. When one cycle of the 12 astrological ages is completed, another cycle of 12 ages begins. An age is about 2000 years and the length of one cycle of 12 ages is 25,000 plus years. Now, I am not an astrologer, so excuse me if anything I say is not according to the dogma set in stone by astrologers worldwide. Anyway, 12,000 years ago, about the time when alternative historians claim that civilization began, we were in the age of the sun, in the age of Leo. Then we moved into the age of cancer, connected with water. So there were floods that probably wrecked Atlantis in those days. And after that we had the age of Gemini, then Taurus, then Aries. And when Christ was born, we entered the age of Pisces, the fish. As you know, the earliest symbol of a Christian was not a cross, but a fish. Accounts differ, but we are in the age of Aquarius right now. Or we are soon in this age. And so far so good, right? Well, what I think is interesting is what comes next, even if we will not be there to see it. In about 2000 years, we are going to enter the age of Capricorn. Doing a bit of googling, I found out that the age of Capricorn could be about building or rebuilding structure and establishing or re-establishing order. A natural order, personal order, collective order. So this means that, uh, according to astrology, that everything is going to go to shit and it needs to be rebuilt. Is that because of war or famine? Is that why we have to rebuild? It could also mean establishing our presence out in the galaxy or perhaps merging in some way with robotic technology or VR, some sort of android future. About the year 6000 we entered the age of Sagittarius, which will will be, as far as I can tell, an age of seeking and exploration. Perhaps we have left our solar system by this time, and uh, those that remain on Earth enter a sort of utopian Garden of Eden. I cannot say exactly, but judging by my googling skills, the age of Sagittarius in the year 6000 is going to be a very positive age. Then we have the age of Scorpio and things ain't looking so good. We had such a good run, but whatever happens somewhere between the year 8000 and 10,000, shit is really going to hit the fan, as they say. Perhaps we will finally discover other beings out there in the universe and we simply find out that we don't get along. 
But that's fine. That's fine. Because in the year 10,000 and onwards, we are in the age of Libra. And we all know what that means. Harmony and peace. Then in the year 12,000, we enter the age of Virgo. And we are babies again. Virgins. The 12 cycles of the zodiac, the 12 ages have been completed and we begin again. In the year 14,000, we enter the age of Leo. And the sun rises again. Hey, it's pure speculation. But I find it interesting to ponder on this stuff. After all, the next time we will find ourselves in the same age as we are in right now, the age of Aquarius, it's about 25,000 years from now. So it's not like anyone is going to experience this for a very long time. Enough of me talking about shit I hardly know anything about. Let's hear from an expert. I want to play a talk by Bill Donahue where he rants and raves in a very entertaining and informative way about Krishna and the Christ, as well as a great deal about the age we are in now, or the age we soon will be in. Opinions differ. Anyway, he talks a bit about the age of Aquarius. That's why I thought it was interesting to mention the ages that follows the current age. Anyway, here's Bill Donahue. We're going to do the Bhagavad Gita, and we're going to look at stuff which was written long before your Bible was written, and we're going to talk about things that you've never heard before and talk about things which will challenge not only your imagination, but your sensibility and challenge your very existence because they're strange, okay? So here's your Bhagavad Gita, and actually if any of you want to go into a bookstore, you can get a copy of the Bhagavad Gita anywhere. I, I suggest that you try to find one. This particular version was written by a guru who attended Oxford University. It matches very, very close to the original, but yet it's done in a contemporary language. Let's go with it, okay? Number one, the Bhagavad Gita. Those who understand the cosmic day and cosmic night know that one day of creation is a thousand cycles and that the night is of equal length. What's being talked here is not talking about night and day as you know it. It's being talked about the positive and the negative, the light and the dark, and the fact that they're all one. Whether the good happens and the bad happens, it's not selected that somebody prays and good's going to happen, or somebody doesn't pray and bad's going to happen. These things are all part of the same cycle. These things are all part of the same chain. See? But there's something very familiar about that, isn't it? Read it again with me. Now remember this is written. You wonder sometimes, where does your Bible come from, don't you? You wonder sometimes, where, do, where does the Bible get, the, who, wrote, who really wrote the Bible, you know? And look what it says. Let's read it again. Those who understand the cosmic day and cosmic night know that one day of creation is a thousand cycles. Go to page 995 in your little Bibles there, and let's take a look at something. Page 995, as Krishna has just told us that one day of creation is a thousand cycles. Look at, on page 995, Second Peter is the name of the book. Look at chapter 3 and verse 8, okay? But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord 
as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And here's Krishna having said thousands of years before that, one day of creation is a thousand cycles. Okay. Now if you take this and begin to play with it a little bit, say, you begin to understand the resurrection that you're talking about celebrating during this, uh, this time of the spring equinox is actually cosmically tuned to a very strange statement that was made by Jesus in the Bible in Luke chapter 22. And if you look at page 859, you'll see it for yourself. Luke chapter 22. And here's a prophecy that the entire Christian church and most religions have failed to understand or, or fail to catch up with. And it's, and it's quite an amazing thing when you understand what's happening today and you're seeing the results of it in the world today. Luke chapter 22. And here we go to verse 10 on page uh, 859. Jesus said, when you enter into the city, and city in mysticism always means consciousness, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he enters in. The resurrection, that three days, is this on? Yeah. Cosmically attached to that which is Aquarius. Okay. Cosmically attached to that which is Aquarius, the man with the pitcher of water. Okay? And the reason that I, I, I say that is because the resurrection is three days. And we've just found out that both from Krishna and from the Bible, each day is a thousand years in the cosmic cycle. Two thousand years have passed from that point of the statement of Aquarius, and we are now entering into the morning or the dawning of the third day. This is Sunday morning on the cosmic cycle. This is the time of resurrection right now. This is that third thousandth year. The beginning of the third thousandth year, this is indeed, if you will, Passover. This is indeed resurrection time. This is the age, the dawning of Aquarius. And that's why Jesus Christ said it was so important to understand that. When you see with the man with the pitcher of water, when you understand that which is the Aquarian age, then you will see the fulfillment of the third day. Then you will see the fulfillment of that third thousandth cycle. Then you will see that which is the Son of Man rise. That means the Son which dwells within each one of us. So that's a beautiful thing to understand. Now when we talk about something here, look what Krishna says. Those who understand the cosmic day and cosmic night know that one day of creation is a thousand cycles and the night is of equal length. I want to show you something interesting because we're talking about the cycle of 12. Okay. We're talking about the cycle of 12, which is the, the 12 constellations, the 12 aspects of the zodiac. If you look at uh, page 876, there's a statement made by Jesus in John chapter 11. And it talks about, just it, it, it picks up on what Krishna talks about, that the night is of equal length. John chapter 11 and verse 9. And what does Jesus say? Are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of this world. The 12 hours of the day and the 12 hours of the night, they're equal. And the question is, what do we walk in? See, we make an error, though, when we look at this as a, as a context of day and night as we, as we see it. This is not the context of day and night. This is a cosmic thing. You're talking about a universal thing. You're talking about something that inhabits that which is the very essence of totality of all things. Okay. There are three days and three nights. It brings a cycle of 3,000 years or three days. And you can trace that then if you wish and double it because of three days and three nights, 6,000 years 
back to that which is the point of Genesis. However you want to do it, if you want to take it back from Genesis as a point of 6,000 years, or if you want to take it from the point of the uttering of Aquarius at 3,000 years, it brings you to right now. This is the dawning of the age. This is why all is bursting forth in newness and hope. This is why the changes are being made, not only in the universe, but the changes are being made within you. See? So no matter how you work this out, it brings you right to this time, this Aquarian age of newness, a new day, a new morning, a new understanding. This is the morning. This is the time. And everything, there was a darkness and there was a light, and the age of Pisces, which had gone, had been a period of darkness, but now that eye opens, that, that atom pulsates, the Aquarian age brings you the newness of the spirit, and this is the time of light. This is the time of understanding. This is the time of the new mind. Taurus, Aries, Pisces are gone 6,000 years, and now they are consumed by Aquarius, which brings us to the time of resurrection. That's why when you look at, at this Passover, it, you see what's wrong, you see, and I'm not going to get into it now because we're, we're, we'll do it on Easter, but I'll tell you what's so wrong about it. The mere question or the mere fact of Easter totally took you away from Passover, and when you move away from Passover, you move away from the understanding of the cosmic need for the sun to devour the lamb, the cosmic need for the sun to enter into Aries, because if the sun doesn't enter into Aries, there can be no new life, there can be no summer, and if your energy does not move into the pineal gland, there can be no new life, there can be no summer, there can be no color in your life, it can't happen. So when you neglect that, and you turn your back on Passover, you've turned your back on God. That's what Christianity has done. That's what Christianity has done. And so they deprived you of the very understanding of what is necessary cosmically to touch what you call God, to touch what you call the universe, to understand it. The sun does it. The sun does it. The sun in the sky cannot change. The sun in the sky can... The sun must celebrate the Passover. And what must the sun do? It must enter into the house. What house? The house of Aries. And when it enters into the house of Aries, what must it do? It must consume the Lamb of God. And when it consumes the Lamb of God, then the dawning breaks on the new season, and spring comes. And right now, look out your window, and you can see it. And what is it? The crocuses are croaking, and the things are happening, and things are starting to stir. And why is it all happening? Why is it happening? Because of the burnt offering. Because the sun has entered into the house of Aries, the lamb, and the lamb has been sacrificed, and the burnt offering has taken place. And now the trees will burst forth with leaves, and the little animals will have their babies, and there will be new, new spring and new summer, all because the sun keeps the Passover, which Christianity has taught you not to touch. And for only one reason, because Christianity is born on anti-Semitism. And, <laughs> and they've acted it out, too. One of the great things that they started off the discovery of their religion with was a little thing called the Inquisition in which if you were not a Christian, they held a knife to your throat and said, confess Jesus as Lord, or else. And that's the way they built their, their kingdom. May it drop. Look at 81.2. Krishna says, now why not, we, as we go into this stuff, you're going into, you're going to talk about things, you're going to hear things here that are everything that you would ever hope, but nobody would allow you to hear. Things that are strange to consider. Look what it says. At the dawning of that day, and that day is now, all objects in manifestation stream forth from the unmanifest. And when evening falls, they are dissolved unto it again. 
at the dawning of that day, all objects and manifestation stream forth from the unmanifest. When does Jesus rise as the Christ? At the dawn. It's always at the dawning. It's always at the morning. It's always at the new time. And then everything which is hidden becomes to view. See? It is the pouring forth of life. It is the pour... And see, this is what you have... Look. If you take a morning, a morning in a day, like today, this is the morning. As we get to noontime, it becomes the afternoon, and then tonight will be the evening. That's a day. That's a day on earth. See? But you, now you have to take it, and you have to move with it beyond the boundaries of, of the earth, beyond the boundaries of the ozone, beyond the boundaries into the cosmos, and say, what is morning? Aquarius is morning. See? It is the morning of the cosmos, because it's cosmic morning. And that's what we're involved in now. That's what we're involved in now. And, and, and this is why that which is the unmanifest becomes manifest. That's why you feel the way you do. That's why you can think the way you do. That's why you'd even sit and listen to me, because I can tell you, years and years ago, you would shoot me. You wouldn't even listen for a minute to this stuff. He says, he's a lunatic, he's a cult, and all. And they say it now, but not quite as strong as they used to say, because they're not quite too sure anymore. Because all of a sudden, it's not me by myself. Now there are doctors and scientists and theologians and all kinds of people saying there's something to this. Because it's the morning, and that's why you feel you've woken up, and now you see the light of the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And there's a lot more to that song. than just This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. It sure is. And it's just the dawning. Wow. What happens when in Aquarius the sun reaches the pinnacle of noon and shines down with all of its power? What happens to the world? What happens to you and me? And of course, in, in, in all of our lives, when the evening comes, in other words, when those difficult times come, then that sun is gone. But it happens to everybody. Sometimes you think because you're not living your life right. It's not anything to do with that. It just happens. You've just got to be able to understand it. It's not a question of making, stopping bad things from happening. It's being able to recognize how to deal with it. How do I react to these things? Because they happen to everybody. Some people come in here and they're more demonstrative. Oh, this is a terrible thing. Other people coming in here are experiencing something ten times worse than that other person, but they come in with their Bibles and they come in with a smile and a whistling, but inside they're breaking. Inside they're being ripped apart, but they'll never let anybody on the outside know about it. But it happens to everybody. Nobody escapes the evening. You can't get out of it. Tonight, it'll be evening. It's not going to be, the sun's not going to shine no matter what you do, no matter how much you pray, no matter what you chant, no matter what you meditate. When you walk out of the house tonight, it's going to be dark because that's the way it is. And so what will you do? You'll accommodate yourself. You get in the car and you'll turn the lights on because you're in darkness. Look what, look, let me just show you a little, let me show you a little mystical symbolism of the Bible surrounding Jesus and this very, and very thing. Go ahead to page 791. This is what happens when that evening of the soul comes. In the same way that the cosmic evening comes, when people aren't able to think of these types of things. Do you know what they called the time where Christianity was born? Do you know when Christianity was born? What was the time of the soul, the cosmic time of the soul then? They called it the dark ages. Huh? 
the dark ages. That's where all of this stuff was born. They take little children by the hand into these schools. Oh, I don't want my child to miss Sunday school. And they take them in and they have their little pictures on the wall and they start to tell them about demons and devils and hell and a punishing fiery God and all of this horror. And they have absolutely destroyed the youth of this world. Absolutely destroyed it. Those that aren't starving to death are committing suicide. Those that aren't committing suicide are taking drugs. Those that aren't taking drugs are having babies and abortions. All of this stuff based on the Judeo-Christian ethic of fear and guilt. May it go to hell. <laughs> Look at Jesus. I, 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 the more I understand Jesus, the more I get ticked off with him and understand why he stands up with his sandals and long hair and says, why the hell do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you to do? Matthew 14, verse 15. Watch what this happens, what happens with people. And when it was evening, his disciples came saying, this is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages. It is evening, and you can't commune with the Christ during the evening. You can't. See? That's why it's so important. Um, Becky was talking to me this morning about Joey Blackshaw, who's in, in intensive care with pneumonia in the lung, you know, and they say, you can't go to somebody to meditate. We've got to work with, for him this morning in our meditation. And Dave, and all of these people, you need somebody who can stand in the sunlight of the soul when you drift into the darkness. When it becomes evening for you, then you hide. You go into your house and you hide. But you can't. You need others who can stand in the sunlight. That's why, that's why it says in the Bible that Joshua said while he fought the battle, I command the sun stand still. Say, well, the sun can't stop, the earth can't stop. That's ridiculous. It's allegory. He's saying, I must stand in the light if I am to overcome this battle. Don't let the darkness come upon me or I'll lose. And it doesn't make any difference if it's me or you or don't let any teachers or preachers or anybody tell you any difference. When the darkness comes upon you, you lose. And it comes upon every one of us. That's why we need to assemble with those of like mind, because others who are standing in the sunlight of their soul can muster the energy to bring us through and out of the darkness. We can't always do it ourselves. Look at, you're on Matthew 14, 15. Look at Matthew 14, 23. Watch what happens. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening had come, he was there alone. Nobody is near the Christ during the evening. Nobody is near the Christ during the dark time of the soul. Nobody is near the Christ during the dark time of the cosmic night. That's why if this stupid world would only start to understand morning has broken, as Cat Stevens has sung, resurrection day has come, Aquarius is here, it is time now, the sun is shining down on the universe, it is time to come out of our dens and our lairs and understand it. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The Christ energy is very active. Resurrection is happening all over the world. And the cosmic evening finds that, that dwelling of materialism that we've seen. But the cycles go on. Appearance, disappearance. Albert could tell you about, about an atom. Albert, if I'm, if I'm wrong, correct me. But an, an atom pulsates. It opens, it closes. It opens, it closes. Everything opens and closes, opens and closes. The world opens and closes. You opens and closes. 
see. But this here particular point of the atom, whether you take it from the infinitesimal point of the atom now to the largest of the Aquarian cosmic age, this is an opening. Aquarius is an opening. Now I'm going to step into some real deep cosmic things here that human mind has difficulty fathoming. And I want you listening very, 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 very close to what Krishna has to say. Read it with me and you'll hear something very interesting. You ready for this? I don't know if you are, but let it just enter in and love Krishna for it. The same multitude of beings which have lived on earth so often all are dissolved as the night of the universe approaches to issue forth anew when morning breaks. Thus, it is ordained. Wow. It's a beautiful thing. And, and the point being, it's written in an ancient text to issue forth anew. See? My mother dies. Where is she? A teenager somewhere riding the roller coaster at Great Adventure or whatever she's doing. Alive she is. Jones, mother, all of those who have left you in this life issue forth until that great time when we all get it together and we all understand in the planet heaven is now that which has taken over the planet Earth and we all come together again. But in this period of time, we go and we come and we come and we go and we go and we come. Like the atom that starts from the beginning, we continue with just as the Earth. And Aquarius comes thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago and it goes and the darkness of Pisces comes and then Aquarius bursts forth again and the eye of the atom opens. Oh, you can't get that, does it? You say, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Doesn't make a doggone bit of difference whether you believe it or not. It doesn't depend on your belief. See? So, I don't like. Uh, uh, what is it? Well, I don't know if February's coming. Doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. Comes anyhow, doesn't it? Person gets on the train and they're going, they want to go to New York, but they're drunk and they get on the wrong train. They're just going to Philadelphia. Doesn't make any difference if they believe they're going to New York. When they get off the train, they're going to wind up in Philadelphia. <laughs> Makes no difference what you believe. See, but let's look at a couple of things in the Bible because I like to be able to do Western. Let's go to page 568. Go to page 568 with me, would you? We're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and I think we'll be doing some things from Ecclesiastes pretty soon because it's uh, so contemporary. You ready with me to pay, uh, what did I say? Page 568, the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 15. You ready? Ready for this? That which has been is now and that which is to be has already been and God required that which is past. What did Krishna say 7,000 years before that? Everything which is the multitudes which have lived are dissolved to issue forth anew. You're at Ecclesiastes 3. Go back a couple of pages to page 567 to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. Okay, verse 9, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 9. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun, including you. So you don't have to go to Krishna. Krishna wrote it so they could put it in the Bible, and you could say, oh, I'm a Christian. You are a... Christian. 
because it's all the same. The Christ, the Krishna, all the same. Hare Krishna means Christ the Son. Hmm. And they give out flowers, and that's very upsetting to the main line, because after all, flowers and roses are very difficult to deal with. But let's, li let's digest this for a minute, the beauty of this. The life of the atom. Look what you do. Look, just understand. Let's take this out of your breath, out of your soul, and take it. You breathe out the evening. You breathe in the morning. Within you, the atom closes, opens. There is day, there is night. There is summer, which is summer. Summer is the day. There is winter, which is winter. Winter is the night. And this has to begin. You understand the cosmos. And the same continues. This is the beauty. The same multitudes of beings came forth in the opening that dissolved in the cloud. Would, would, would you just read it with me once more? The same, verse 3, Krishna. The same multitudes of beings which has lived on earth so often, all are dissolved as the night of the universe approaches to issue forth anew when morning breaks. Thus is it ordained. Go to page 866 in your little Bibles. Page 866. I want you to hear how Jesus phrases the same thing. That the beings dissolve, issue forth anew when morning breaks. Okay, page 866. Are you there? It is John chapter 3, verse 7. And how does Jesus put it? Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again, and again, and again, and again. And we say, well, no, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that, that spirit, Jesus is talking of a spiritual rebirth. See where you are there, chapter 7? Go down to verse 11. Excuse me, verse 12. What did Jesus say? If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe it, how shall you believe it if I tell you of heavenly things? Why is it so hard if it's in the book? It's in the book. Why is it so difficult? What, what, why? Why do people make this stuff up? What did he say? I'm talking of an earthly experience. You will unmanifest and you will manifest. You will dissolve into the nighttime of the cosmos and then you will manifest in the morning of the cosmos. You must be born again. It doesn't make any difference. And if you haven't learned this lesson, then indeed, you must come back and learn the lesson. That's the only way you can finally know something. Jesus, I don't understand this. Well, then live until you do. Live until you do. And I said, well, I don't know if I want to. It doesn't, it's not up to you. How many times have you lived? Do you realize you've lived thousands of times in different life experiences? You, some of you have been queens in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> She said, don't get carried away. We better move on. But what I'm trying to show you, I've showed you Krishna, and I've showed you the Bible, and I've showed you the Old Testament of Ecclesiastes, and they all say the same thing. There is nothing new. It has all happened before. It will all happen again. And what has happened in the past has happened, and what is happening now will happen, and it's all happened before. And there is nothing new under the sun. It's all that which is the same. You must have been born. Now let's go to 81.4 of Krishna. 
In truth, therefore, there is the eternal unmanifest, which is beyond and above the unmanifest spirit of creation, which is never destroyed when all these beings perish. The eternal unmanifest is the ultimate beginning of the chain. Watch, watch, see what, try, try to understand the chain, okay? Seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, ages, on and on and on. The cosmic cycle widens and widens and widens. And you are told that there is an unmanifest power that even you, someday you pray to God, this is beyond that which is God. You pray to Jesus, this is beyond that which is Christ. There is an eternal cosmic center that is completely unmanifest, will never be seen, can never be seen, can never be known. I love the, the, the guru once. He says, you know, it's so important that we continue to understand that God, the beauty of God is the search. It can never end because if you ever find... In other words, what if you found where God lived? Yeah, I know. He lives on, uh, you know, 77 Heavenly Court. And you go up to 77 Heavenly Court and you see the sign hanging on the front, God. And you go up and you knock on the door. And then you better back away, because if he opens the door, now what? The whole journey would be destroyed, because the whole point of life and the whole point of development, the whole point of learning is the search. Whether it be the search for wisdom, the search for understanding, or the search for God. Once you've found it, what do you do? You drop it and you go on to something else. It's like me with all of the stuff I've always had all of my life. Once I had them... I didn't want him anymore because I had to have something else. There's always something else. Everything I've ever wanted, go up in the crawl space or the attic of our house, it's all there. And I don't care about it. And it's laying there and rotting and all things. And I think, I'll save it because years from now, maybe somebody will buy this. It'll be, you know, like an old car. I don't want it anymore. I've got to know what's happening tomorrow. The search. That's why you can never find God. And the reason that you can never find God is the same purpose as a little rose that doesn't know it's a rose. And the rose sits on the vine saying, oh, I wish I could be a rose. It doesn't realize what it is. That's what we, we search for God because we don't realize we are God. Yes? You're saying that um, the night is like the winter. And in here it says that, uh, pray that your journey be not in the winter. There you go. Exactly. Pray that your journey be not in the winter. You can't make the journey in the winter. You can't make, you can't make a meditation in the nighttime with us all. Even if you come in here when it's throbbing and yelling and you're frightened to death, you can't sit in the dark because all you're thinking of, but you have to depend on those who can send that light and allow that light to come through you. Exactly. Exactly. And we're all the same. There's not one of us that's different. There's not one of us that has anything above the other. Okay. So this is the Kai. This is the creative spirit we know as God. It's beyond all endings. It is the top of the chain, if you would. See, what happens? The germ dies. The person dies. The atmosphere dies. The ozone dies. The planet dies. The galaxy dies. And on and on and on. Everything is a part of a chain. And everything expands itself outward. You hear them talking about the ozone layer. Why? Because something died inside. And when something dies inside of us, then something dies outside. And when something dies outside, it's just like waving at the wind. I cannot wave at the wind without causing the winds into, the, into infinity to move. They have to. Everything moves as it topples behind something else. And so when something dies inside of us, then something dies outside, and eventually something dies up there, and it goes on and on and on.
and to infinity. So now we go to a much higher idea than we've ever been able to believe before. We pray for salvation, we pray to go to heaven, we pray to be saved, so forth and so on. Read with me. 81.5. The wise say that the unmanifest and indestructible is the highest goal of all. When once that is reached, there is no return. That is my blessed home. But it's not something that somebody else, it's something that I reach for, see? But look what it says, the wise say, and that's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you, and I'm asking you to concentrate on the words, and I'm asking you to understand when I talk about the hidden meanings, I'm talking about the symbolic language. It lays at the very basis of understanding this. Everything that is written by the internal and manifest is written in symbols. Everything is written in strange, deep parables. Jesus was not allowed to speak in a parable. I, my whole life, my whole career, is to simply teach people that art of parable and symbolism so they can enter into the understanding of the unmanifest. If you don't, if you choose not to, and if you choose to literalize this, there's no way. See, because what does it say that the wise say? Let me show you something in the, in the Bible on page 541. The book of Proverbs, page 541. The book of Proverbs, okay. Proverbs 1, chapter 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, okay? And it says to give subtly to the simple. I want you to look at verse 6. To understand a proverb, the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Dark sayings are hidden meanings. If I say to you, let's go shoot the bull, that's a dark saying. It doesn't mean bang, bang, bull, you're dead. It means let's have a conversation. If I say to you, boy, this Albert is really off the wall, it doesn't mean he's hanging on a hook somewhere. It means that he's a little different than you and I are. <laughs> if I say that, wow, this uh, Corinda really spilled the beans, it doesn't mean that you've got uh, pintos lying all over the floor. It means that she spoke out of turn. Those are dark sayings. And you know what? If you sit down with a pad and a piece of paper and think of all of the things that you say, you want to call it slang, they're dark sayings. There are things that mean something else. And everyone in here could plug into them right away. She's green with envy. He's nothing but a green kid. He's three sheets to the wind. That's right on the money. All of these things that you say do not mean what you say. That's the wise. And it says in Krishna, the wise say, those that understand symbolism and parable and allegory come into the wisdom of the wise. And so it is then that we become the highest in the chain. There is no return. There is never a return back to being controlled by the carnal mind. Now, does this, does, this, does this share? Look what Krishna says. The unmanifest and indestructible is the highest goal. When once that is reached, what does it say? There is no return. Watch, go to page 1004 in the Bible. 1004 in the Bible. And uh, look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And go to verse 12. He that overcomes will I make a temple, a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. See? Here you are. Here you are, who we showed you. Here's your life. Over and over and over. And you finally, as you're 
filling it up with all of this computerized corruption, as AJ said, oh, oh, oh. finally you find that which is the key to the kingdom, and you don't have to make this crappy journey anymore. <laughs> That's great. But what is it? See, it sounds so up in the cosmos, up in the, up in the planet somewhere, and it's nothing to do with that. It sounds like, my God, I've got to wait for light beings to dance. It's nothing to do with that. Look what it is, and look how easy it is. The highest God. Look what it says in 81.6. Oh, Arjuna, listen to me. Listen to me. That highest God in whom all beings abide. He's not up on some planet. It's not up in some place far away. It is a place where everybody dwells. It's a place where everybody lives. That's why Jesus Christ said, Yes, Krishna, the kingdom of God is within you. The only thing that stops us from finding it and being one with it is the fear and the guilt that those who would try to control you put into your pathway. They lay the trap, see? They lay the trap, and as you start to walk towards that goal, there's a trap. And Buddha said, beware of using your animal instinct, because those who would have you come into the snare know how you will react, just as you know how to trap an animal. And isn't it amazing that the people who have set the trap are the ones who have told you, don't, don't, don't try to find this thing. It's not right for you. So what do you say? I say to you that the one I follow as the guru is Jesus Christ. I looked at Krishna and Krishna says, that highest God in whom all beings abide. Go to page 880. We're almost done. We are done. Page 880. But let's look and see if Jesus will, will join Krishna in, in speaking the same truth. Jesus says, in John chapter 14, Krishna says, The highest God in whom all beings abide. And Jesus says in John 14, 20, At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. And then he says in John 14, 23, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him. Read out loud with me. It's very important for me because I can shake inside with this. The truth is so doggone. Read out loud with me what Krishna says. Just that first sentence. Oh, Arjuna, that highest God in whom all beings abide. Now read out loud with me Jesus' statement in John 14, 23, right there where you are. If a man loves me, he will keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What's the difference? But here's the good part. Here's the good part. Oh, Arjuna, that highest God in whom all beings abide and who pervades the entire universe is reached only by whole hearted devotion. Or as they say in the New Age circles, meditate. 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 Or as Jesus Christ said, if your eye be single, your body will fill with light. Okay, thank you very much.
for sharing. Go to hiddenmeanings.com if you want to have a look at Bill Donahue's work. You are humbly invited to support this podcast and by doing so, keeping it free from corporate influence. Do you want to listen to alchemists, magicians, shamans and psychonauts? Or do you want to listen to humans possessed by dark and demonic forces that intends to lure you into their web of consumerism? I'm sure you choose the former, so please support the podcast. Join us at the round table of the divine mystery as an intergalactic spirit warrior and ally to the glorious art of alchemy. Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist if you want to become a patron. And for only a couple of bucks a month, you will be able to access additional content, deleted episodes and other exclusive material as well. And be able to listen to episodes way before they are released. And if you don't want to do this, that's fine too. You are loved nonetheless. Thank you. It would only be fitting to close this episode with a track called Celestial from the Celestial EP by the musical act Winter Atlas. Go to winter-atlas.bandcamp.com if you like what you hear and you want to hear more. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter or leave a nice review on iTunes or become a patron. Only one month left of 2018. Only a few more episodes than year five of the podcast is officially over. Time does fly. In the microcosmic world, I guess the podcast will soon enter a new age of its own. Freedom is in the mind. (laughs) 